Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Richard and Joshua, first call of the hour. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I have a driveway that uh, when it was put in, uh, it wasn't leveled out. And so I've got a pretty good slant toward the west. And I'm uh, trying to figure out if, if foam jacking would be the better route or replace the whole thing. Well, it, it's going to depend because if you're going to try to just tilt the driveway up, the foam injection would work fine. But if it's only an area of the driveway that's down and you try to foam inject to tip that up, uh, no, you're going to try to make the concrete do what it wasn't formed to do, and you literally can break it doing that. So no. No. Uh, is it just in one one area that, that uh, has it's that? Probably half, it's probably half the driveway, which is about uh, 15 feet by 40 feet. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you would just have to take just... a look look at it because, you know, a big enough area like that, a lot of times, yes, you can foam inject it and tip it up rather than replacing it. Mm-hmm. It'd probably have to go up about five or six inches. Oh, you got to go that much? Oh, yeah. Okay, if you're going that much, take it out and replace it. The oh, foam okay. is so expensive. If you're only having to move it uh, an inch or two, the foam was very cost effective. You got to, oh, okay. you get up into that, you know, four or five inch bracket. Mm-hmm. It's just as expensive as the concrete is. Okay. Can I just uh, replace like half the driveway? You know, break up half of it. And oh yeah. That half? Absolutely. Okay. Now oh, the concrete may look a little bit different, you know, just because of oh. the difference in age and stuff like that. But uh, oh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Oh great. Oh, that's a, that's good information. I appreciate that. You bet, Richard. You take care. Hello, Bruce. Hey, how are you? Wonderful. I've got a question for you. I've been uh, experiencing some you know, showers around redos. And some years back, there was a requirement that you have, what, like a one-inch or two-inch lip. Uh, but now they're coming out with these things that have zero, that have no lip. Um, and I, I, I was, I'm trying to wrap my heads around uh, the, the code regarding that. What what do you know of that with regard to Dallas and Texas in general, I guess? Well, well the stuff that doesn't have a lip is because they're, they're putting in a different type of, uh, of backer that is all sealed. And so okay. uh, the water that does get in behind the materials just goes down and into the drains. And in that type of situation, then you don't have to have the lip. But if you're going to be putting um, a regular shower pan with concrete backer board and, and all that kind of stuff, you'll still want that lip. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I appreciate it. The, 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 the back part you're talking about, is that a, like a full-length um, drainage uh, spot or... or no, it's just it's just that it's all sealed, so it doesn't leak behind it. Okay. You know, the the big thing they're trying to do with the lip is your building materials come down over the lip, so when water's running down, uh, it, it doesn't it it doesn't uh, 
just hit the base yeah. and then go back behind it. Where when the whole thing is a sealed unit behind, then that's not an issue. I see. Okay. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. that you bet. Helps. Take care. Love your show. Thanks. Doug, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Now, I got another shower pan question. Uh, I'm about to pour a shower pan. It's not very large. It's like uh, five feet by three feet. Okay. And uh, thickness is what I was interested in. Uh, I've seen YouTube videos that show like an inch and a half. Yeah. Is that thick enough? Or? Oh, yeah. That, on a shower pan, that's totally fine. You're using a mortar bed. Um right. And you're going to have a rubber, you know, typically what you do is you put your uh, first layer of mud. Then right. you got a rubber mat, and that right. comes up the walls. That seals everything. And then a second layer of mud on top of that, and then you can okay. put your tile on it. Okay, and I saw, I watched a YouTube video, and they put uh, like one and a half inch strips all the way around on level. Yeah. And then measure that off to the drain just to get it where it does slope. Does yep. that work? Or? Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, okay. typically when I do it, uh, what I do is, is mark my level lines and, and pop a chalk line on it. Right. And just, you know, freeform it that way. But, yeah, they they you, they got all kinds of fancy stuff that you can put in now to, to follow the form all the way down to the drain and, and that, but uh, honestly, the way I've always looked at it is, I'm going to be having three layers of mud by the time I do the first layer of mud, rubber, right. second layer of mud, and then my mastics to glue the tile down. I right. got lots of room to take care of any errors I might have in a little wave. Yeah, and the other issue is uh, we're going back on tile with quarter-inch tile, and I know it's important to get the drain to where. It's slow enough that the tile butts up against it, doesn't go above it or below it, and so you kind of have to work that all the way around, don't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah. you got, okay. you want to get your, your uh, drain, leave it up out of the mud enough so right. that when you put your tile that, that it's even with it. And, and I'm going to okay. tell you, the easiest way to do that is just have a piece of tile available. Right. Uh, so that you can set it there and check the thickness as you're going. Okay, good enough. And and I also saw that they once they did all the mud and everything, they they used a seal of silicone all the way around the top part, not the top part, but where the drain and the pan actually go together. Is that something you'd do or not? Or? I, I I never have. Uh, okay. You know, by time when you have that rubber in there, the right. floor drain that rubber goes into the floor drain and and there's right. a big nut that you tighten down it that's what seals it up okay all right sounds good i will proceed on then all righty well have fun thank you thank you for your help <laughs> you right. bet right and again our number 1-800-288-9227 and every time i tell somebody have fun with a project or something like that i think about when i go into a home improvement store to buy a bunch of materials to do something and they tell you have a good day and i'm thinking uh yeah you you see what you just sold me this is a day of work where's a good day come in but if you're like me you enjoy doing the projects anyway so i guess it does make for a good day pam in arlington you doing all right today yes i'm glad to talk to you 
thank you. I'm glad to talk to you as well. Okay. I live on a creek in Arlington, and it's a tributary of the Rush Creek system, and it has increasingly gotten wider over the years due to building upstream with, you know, like a grocery store and all this concrete, and then the stream north of me, or it's actually south, the city concreted it all, which makes the velocity of that water much greater, and it is eroding our creek because it goes into our yards then after that. And so uh, what's happened is one of my trees fell over because the bank just, you know, couldn't support it. And when it did, it pulled a big hunk of my bank off with it. And now that soft, sandy loam, every time we have a big rain, it just eats away and eats away. And, of course, it gets closer to my house. And uh, the city, is it's your responsibility, not our problem, you know. So I need some guidance as to what to do because I need to at least bolster up my bank so that it won't continue to eat away. I've lost probably, just in these last two rains, seven foot of bank. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's moving quick then. Yeah. The, the problem is, is how, well, how big a piece of property do you have? How much bank? I have, a, I have a, a third of an acre, and the bank runs all along the uh, east side of my property. Yeah. And part, part of it's been concreted because it comes under a bridge that is a road and goes under it. Okay. So the city concreted it. and But then past it, it's just gotten so wide and deep. It's it's like five or six feet deep now uh, that that water just rolls off in a roll, and then it makes little circles, you know, and right. that just it's like a grinder. And uh, then it'll finally fan out through all the, the different yards. So Does your property go all the way up to where that concrete is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. perfect. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about this. And, and uh, you may not like the solution, but there is a solution. We'll be back in a moment. I have a 15-year-old Carrier Infinity 5-ton system in my home. Works great. With recent daily rains, humidity has been high, not inside, about 47%. My primary drain pan has clogged at the section from the base of the pan to the line that descends to the bathroom sink. From the pan, it moves downward about 4 inches, makes a 90-degree turn, then drops into the trap. Then uh, up to exit the line to the bathroom. Believe the clog to be at the trap in the attic. Tried some bleach in the primary pan, waiting 30 seconds, nothing. Tried a quarter line of vinyl tube like a snake, nothing. Tried a half inch bottle brush, 15 inches long, nothing. Not much room in the evaporator box to maneuver. Listen to your suggestions of compressed air. How can a 75-year-old, used-to-be handyman, solve this problem? So, um, really the compressed air is going to be the way to get it out. Now, if you've got a compressor, you can do it that way. What the AC guys have 
is a basically a, a little air gun like thing. They put a CO2 cartridge in it. It's got a rubber tip that pushes onto the pipe that you can seal. They pull a trigger and it shoots a blast of air in there, breaking everything loose. And and that's the, the way the AC guys handle it. So uh, you can get one of those and and do it that way, or have your AC system checked for the fall checkup and have them blow it out then. And it, it's not too early at this point to go ahead and get it checked and and cleaned up. So that would probably be the the route I would go is to just have the tech come out and take a look at it. Um, now, if you want to use compressed air, I want to give you a little bit of a caution because the AC guys will typically put a towel down in there or something like that. So when the burst of air comes, if it blasts the gunk up into the room, it's not getting all over everything. So if you are going to try to blast it out yourself with air, cover the sink and the overflow in the sink if you have one with a towel. So that if there's a blast that comes out that's loaded up with crud, the towel stops it from splattering all over in the room and making a huge mess for you. And if you're going to use an air compressor, basically you're just going to turn your air compressor up. You can get a valve, a, a little nozzle that has a rubber tip that you push down and seal. Hit the uh, air like you're trying to blow air onto something to clean it off. Hit that a couple of times and that shoots a blast of air through the pipe and hopefully will un unclog it and uh, get you taken care of. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. I, I mentioned I was going to uh, talk a little bit more on the AC situation. So here's the deal. The feds have upped the efficiency rating on air conditioners. Therefore, the manufacturers have quit making the lower efficiency ratings. And, you know, we talked about the fact that this was coming and it's going to cost everybody a little more money because the more efficient the unit, the more it costs. And so that's going to drive the price up. Not to mention there's been probably eight price increases on air conditioning units just because of the uh, materials being hard to get and, and cost of everything going up. So that's added to the cost of AC systems. After the first of the year, you will see another price increase. If you're looking for an air conditioning system, I highly recommend you take a look now rather than later. Uh, it, it's, they're not going to come down. They're not going to get any cheaper. And I know typically people would wait until fall, you know, when AC companies slow down and try to get a, a better deal. Not going to happen this year. If you're looking for an air conditioning system, now is the time you want to be taking a look and getting an AC system. Let's head to Jersey Village. Hello, Fred. Hello. How can I help you? As soon as it gets cool weather, I'm going to build a uh, wall to enclose my uh, large porch. Uh-huh. use 2 by 6 material, 16-inch on center, R19 insulation. The exterior, we're going to use hardy plank. And I want to know, what kind of nails do you use on hardy plank? Well, they they actually have nails that they recommend for it. And if you go into one of the box stores, 
they'll have both yeah. the nails and the screws right there where they sell the uh, the Hardy's products and over in the nail section as well. Um, so they have specific nails that they recommend. Okay, is there a difference between nails and screws? Which is the best? Uh, typically, as far as not having to worry about a backing out and stuff like that, screws are better. Um, yeah. But it, it, it just depends on what you're comfortable putting in. <clears throat> okay, you have to drill a hole in the hardy plank to put the screw in. Will it go in no. through the... Uh, well, okay, okay. Okay, and that answers my you, question. You said you were putting yeah. this on a porch. Is is it monolithic with the foundation or something that was poured later? <clears throat> you know, we're, we're no, not, it was we're, built, built with the house and the roof extends out over it. I'm just going to okay. close it, put a window unit in there. and Good. Uh, just to enjoy it, you know, yep. mainly. Yeah, I just want to make sure we weren't going on four-inch concrete and then have an issue later. <clears throat> oh, no, no, this is uh extension of a house. Yeah. built it, you know, yeah. And it's covered. Okay. This house has a tile roof on it, so it's just a lot of wasted space. It's a wraparound porch, and um, it's 10 feet out and about 6 feet to the uh, the other end. And we're just going to enclose a portion of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that and that that's an easy way to to get some more square footage in the house. Then yep. Oh, oh yeah, well, mainly to get out of the house. I'm retired, and I like to look out the window at the backyard. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Fred, I appreciate, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you guys on the radio. I listen all the time. Really. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Take care. And again, our number seven one three two one two five eight seven four. And I was asking him about you know the, the size of the concrete, and and the main reason for that, you know, with, with Due West, we get a lot of calls to go out where people have built onto a patio. Don't do that. Don't let some builder come in, and and uh, take your money to build on a patio. Four-inch concrete is not enough to build on. It's got to have a grade beam around the perimeter. Typically, you want that grade beam 10 to 12 inches wide. And normally on on, uh, construction, you're looking for 16, 18 inches in depth, minimal. Newer homes typically have like 24-inch grade beams, just to, to give you an idea. And if you build on just a four inch patio and it moves it's not repairable because the the weight of the structure pushing on that outside edge it will crack it off and it's not uh, is this gonna happen it's when will it happen so save yourself a lot of heartache and just don't build on a patio if you wanna put a room on there and it's just four inch patio take the patio out form up and pour a regular foundation and let's do it right Uh, and when you're tying into the existing building I get this question a lot dig the beam next to the house in other words you want two beams touching each other not just the four inch part pouring up and and touching the house dig it down and up underneath the existing foundation uh, beam the grade beam about six inches so that you're 
when you pour your concrete, you're going to encapsulate the existing grade beam of the house. You want to use a half-inch rebar drilled every 16 inches up and down in an angle back and forth to lock the two foundations together. And, you know, if, if everybody would do their additions this way, uh, you, you wouldn't see these floors that have steps in them and stuff where the two slabs have moved separately. I built one. The first time I did this was, oh, gosh, 30 years ago. And uh, I, I actually tiled the floor because I moved to my kitchen. And so I tied it all together like this. I had to take a tree down first, which is a big no-no. I mean, the soil's going to expand. I took the tree down. I, t I hydrated the soil for a good six months first. Then I tied my foundations together like this and put tile over that, ex that joint. That's a cold joint. And typically, you're going to expect that tile is going to crack. Monitored it for eight years and never got cracks in it. It does work. This comes from Karen, and she says, We appreciate your radio program. Would simply changing the faucet that seems to cause the water hammer noise be enough to stop the occurrence of a water hammer? Thanks for your response. Well, and just real quick, if you send me an email and I use it on the air like this, uh, we clip the answer that I'm giving on the air and send you back an audio of the answer rather than a written response. So uh, don't be surprised if you get that back in your in your uh, email b box. But to answer your question on this, uh, it may or may not. Um, typically, what causes a water hammer is there's risers in the pipe, and that's for when you shut the water off. It has air in that riser. The air takes and compresses when the water stops running and hits the faucet and backs up in the pipe well that air will compress water itself will not and so that takes on the hammering of the water rather than bouncing the pipes uh, you know rather than replacing the faucet which that may fix the problem but not because the faucet was bad the reason it may fix the the problem is when you remove the faucet you're gonna shut all the water off you're gonna drain the pipe and that may put air back in that riser so the way you typically address a water hammer is shut the water off to the house open all the valves through the entire house all the outside water spigots flush all the toilets, open up all the sinks, let all the water as much as possible drain out of the pipes. That also drains the water out of those risers typically. Then you go around and close all the faucets, turn the water back onto the house, so now you got all this compressed air all over in your water lines. Go to the furthest one away from where the water comes into the house, Turn that on and let the air bleed out of the lines. You've now put air back into the risers. They start taking care of the water hammer again. And you know what it costs you? Nada. Nothing. Because this is an easy do-it-yourself project. Uh, it amazes me how often plumbers 
fail to do this when somebody has a water hammer issue. But if you'll take care of doing it that way, you won't have to worry about uh, addressing replacement of a faucet, which can, boy, frankly, get rather expensive. Ben, welcome to 740 KTRH. How can I help you? Hey, Mr. Denton, I appreciate you taking my call. I, I had a question for you, and I that your screener had told me that this has already been answered in the show earlier, but I wasn't listening. So I'm asking again about solar panels. Um, on the last leg of the journey, as far as getting my solar panels installed, uh-huh. and I'm not really sure that I actually want to go through with it. I was kind of wanting to get your opinion or your idea about it. Or okay. What you think? Well, we haven't actually talked about solar panels today, so it, it, it's... Uh, oh. It's a good time to call. So let, let me ask you a question. You say you're on your last part of it. How much is it going to cost you each month? Well, that's the answer. I can't get out of them. I keep talking Don't. to them, and they always tell me that I have to talk to somebody else, and, and nobody ever answers my question about that particular and, and how much I'm going to save or anything right. like that. And I haven't signed a contract yet. I've only signed like for the HOA to approve it and all that kind of stuff, but I haven't signed anything final yet. Okay. Here's why they can't answer that for you. The Or they don't want to answer it for you. Uh, one, solar is extremely expensive. I mean, I don't know how many panels they're, they're looking at putting on your house, but it's not unusual for it to cost anywhere from... Twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, and sometimes even more. And what they do is they set it up on a finance plan. You're making payments for the solar panels, and the sale is it's going to reduce your electric bill by enough to offset what you're spending. And so what they try to do is set the payments up for the a same amount of your. Uh, the savings amount on your energy bill they want the payment to be roughly that same dollar amount it doesn't work out that way very often usually your payment is going to be more and so you're actually ending up spending more on your energy than than before you had the solar panels now as time goes on and electricity keeps going up it does start offsetting itself but the normal payback time on solar panels right now is running anywhere from 17 to 21 years. Gee whiz. Well, uh, this was supposed to the be... The average life thing. is only 25 yeah. to 30 years, so you, you don't have a lot of time where you're really recouping a lot of savings. That was going to be another question of mine, yeah. But this was a lease thing. Uh, do you agree with that, or maybe that's a no-no? Well, there, there's a... There's a lot of them that are pushing leases right now. Uh, you're so locked in on stuff that I personally wouldn't do it. Okay. Well, that answers my question then, because uh, um, the neighbor behind me is the reason why I got the idea. Yeah. And but when they installed the solar panels, they put all the conduit on top of the roof instead of going through the roof, and it just looks ugly. I mean, the panels are super cool. They look really cool. But the content yeah. running all over the roof and down, I get 
the down the sides of the wall thing. You can't help that. But over the roof, it, it just doesn't look like it should be there. Well, and, and I and I I get why they do that because they're trying to avoid penetrating through the roof. That because that can cause leaks. But yeah. it, it, you're you're bringing up a secondary issue. When a roof has to be replaced, you get to pay for taking the panels off. The new roof goes on, and then the panels get reinstalled again. And my roof it, is from 2005, it, so yeah. So you're you 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 know you're going to end up having that expense then. It, it okay. And 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 I'll I'll take it uh, one step further for you. Europe, especially, I, I, I traveled to Germany once in a while. My, my mom's from Germany. They went nuts with solar. I mean, they have it everywhere. And they have stopped. And the main reason they stopped, they, they have already hit that 25, 30-year range. These things are toxic when they bury them. And they can't figure out what to do with them after they're spent now. So basically, you wouldn't do it then, right? <laughs> I would not. Okay. Well, then uh, uh, I I've li- I started listening to your show just like a few months ago, like a couple months ago, I think. And I got a lot of respect for what you have to say. So you're helping me out here. <laughs> I appreciate All it. All right. You bet. I like you take you care. Thanks. All right, Mr. Dunn. I appreciate it. Bye. And, and I'm, I'm going to go one step further. I don't know if... if uh, anybody caught this but one of the biggest solar users in the country is amazon they have spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands uh, possibly even millions i don't know on solar panels and uh, they've had six major fires caused by where the solar panels are Uh, one of them was over five hundred thousand in damage they shut all their solar panels off while they're investigating this to find out what's causing this problem. And it, it's more than likely going to be nothing more than a transformer, you know, where it's switching it over into the uh, building power and stuff. But nonetheless, we, we keep being pushed all this technology that's really not ready for prime time. It's not cost effective. It's not producing what, it, what it's supposed to. Uh, it's it's just not ready for prime time yet. Uh, do I think it's going to be one day? Absolutely. And quite frankly, I would love to have solar. But you don't see it on my house yet. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.